Online family, we love you. And uh, man, I hope, I hope you receive what we just said. Like today, your sin is dead and gone. That's a reason to praise, amen? So we are together celebrating that. But also, uh, here's the deal. We got some big news, church. We've been kind of putting some stuff out there on the, on the socials. That's what, that's what the kids are calling them today. Uh, I'm not a kid, but yes, I think yeah, that that's on, right. Yeah, yeah, on the yeah. socials, on the socials. Yeah, you're, you're younger than I am. So anyway, hey, we are, yeah, we've got some stuff that we're, we want to share this morning. Really excited about where God's taking our church. Uh, we are a church that uh, is, has been on a journey. And I remember when I first got to Alaska and we started seeing ACF Church grow, we, we had one vision. And that vision was that if ACF Church ever disappeared, that our community would miss us. And I'm just confident to tell you today, years later, that if ACF shut down, our city would lose their minds. Our community loves our church. You guys have been so outward focused and loved our community so well that um, we've been able to make a, a huge impact on our church. And about five years ago, we started dreaming about next steps as a church. And we believe that people have next steps and churches have next steps. In fact, just kind of curious in the room, who was here when we, when we launched ACF Next Step about five years ago? Raise your hand loud and proud. All right, you guys have been around a little bit. Yeah, so we've been on this journey taking next steps and, and continuing to reach Eagle River. And we've remodeled this building and um, just done a lot of great things to make sure that there's room for people in this space and then we just started dreaming, even like a couple of years ago, about, well, what, what is next? Where are we going? And, and praying together. Our leadership team has gotten together uh, on a couple of retreats and been praying together. And uh, here, here's what we came back to, is our vision as a church. Some of you guys know it. We say it all the time. Uh, it, it's not for it to be in Eagle River as it is in heaven, but for it to be in Alaska as in heaven. So that's our vision. And so everything we do is all about bringing little pieces of heaven to Alaska. And, uh, and we've been seeing that over the years. And so we started going, well, what does it mean to be not just in Eagle River as in heaven, but in Alaska as in heaven? So we started dreaming on that. And so here's the big news. Coming this Easter for one service, ACF Church, we are headed to Anchorage. Come on, let's celebrate that together. That is big, big news. Headed to Anchorage. We've never done this before. We are reaching beyond Eagle River. We are doing one Easter in two locations. So, and it's going to be awesome. I am really excited. We're going to be at Takat New Theater. And also, we're doing five services here in Eagle River. So, uh, God's not done with Eagle River. We've got next steps here. And we're reaching into Anchorage and really excited about that opportunity. And so, Cody, uh, Pastor Cody is on stage. He has really uh, been spearheading this journey. And, uh, and, and just making sure all the pieces are coming together for Easter this year. And so, Cody, maybe a question would be, why Anchorage? Why would we ever do that? Yeah, so uh, like Pastor Brian said, there's obviously a lot that God has been doing in Eagle River and, and through ACF and in this community that we feel like it's actually uh, going to be partly disobedient if we don't take that out into yeah. the rest of Alaska. That, that why would we want to keep this to ourselves just here in Eagle River when there's people that need what God has been doing here and been so faithful here at ACF with? And so last Easter, if you were at an ACF um, Easter service at Eagle River High School, you filled out a survey and uh, filled out some information about uh, just kind of where you live and different things about that. And so we have a heat map that shows uh, what these answers uh, reflect from last, from last Easter. And so just as we prayed and just asked God, like, where should we go? What is that next step? Where are we going to be headed? Now, we took this into consideration as well of where people are coming from. And so on one hand, this is awesome that people are driving from all over Anchorage and the Valley to come be a part of what God is doing at ACF. Um, but that is incredible. But we also don't want to be people that as God is on the move, that we just stand in one place. Yeah. But we don't want to just always expect that the community is just going to come to us. We want to go to the community Amen. with what it is that God is doing and what God has for them. And so as we looked at this, we felt like the, the best next step for where we're going right now is to do one service um, at the Regal to Cottonou Theater. Because, uh, I mean... Who doesn't love the movies? Everyone knows that place. Right? You're going to have Target, <laughs> Texas Roadhouse, and ACF all in the yeah, same come place. On. All right, so, so that's that's what it means to be in Alaska. Will there be popcorn, so, though? Popcorn? Yeah, there will be popcorn. Right, come there on, there we popcorn. go. Popcorn so, at church. That's good. That's so good. The, the experience is going to look the exact same as it does here in Eagle River. Right, there, there's going to be worship, uh, teaching. There will be ACF kids 
free coffee. There will be popcorn. Come on. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. But the, the really cool thing about this is, like I said, we just get to take what God has been so faithful with us here and take that into Northeast Anchorage. Uh, that, that even before the service, my wife was telling me this morning as she was thinking about what this is going to look like and the service could be, that there's going to be somebody at some point in, in the, the spring or the summer that's going to be sitting there watching a movie and they're going to say, man, this is where my life changed. Wow. Like, man, this yeah, is like, on. this is where my marriage was healed. This is where I I've saw that there was a God that loved me and cared for me. This is where I, I beat that addiction, whatever that is. And it's not going to be because they saw the Fast and Furious 13 or whatever. <laughs> It's going to be because uh, you guys were faithful, and we just want to follow where God is leading us uh, to be obedient to that, that people can experience that and turn that movie theater into holy ground because of what God is doing in that place. And so all of the the experience is going to look the same. Everything is going to be the same. We just get to take that and be an outreach to Northeast Anchorage for Easter. And so if there's anything in you that's like, man, I have to be a part of that. That whether that's serving and and helping out with kids or with greeting or with being a part of the service, or if you just live in that area and you're like, man, I just want to go attend. I've got some friends I've been trying to invite to church, but they won't come to a church building in Eagle River, but they'll go to a movie theater at Takatnu. Then you can sign up just to to attend and just be somebody that's championing that for us that way. Um, There's a a QR code on the card in your seat, and this will also be up on the screen as well. That wherever you're at in there and you're like, man, I have to be a part of what God is doing at Takatnu. Scan that QR code, fill out that form, and we're going to send out some information this week about how you can get involved and get plugged in with what God is going to be doing there uh, at Regal. So good, so good. As, as we've been praying about this, here's the deal. A couple things. First, um, maybe you're like, does ACF think that they're the answer to everyone's problems? The answer is no. But we do know what the answer is, and it's Jesus, right? And we want to share that answer and, and go to Anchorage. And we don't even have to ask the question whether or not God loves the people that are lost in Northeast Anchorage and wants them to be found. Like, we know the answer to that. He does, and he wants them found. The question is, what are we going to do about it, church? And this is a step that we're taking to just go reach a new people uh, with the message of the gospel. So we're going to pray together because this needs to be bathed in prayer. This is a really big step for us as a church family. And so would you just extend a hand and join in unity and praying over Northeast Anchorage in this journey? God, thank you so much for the privilege uh, of reaching out. And, and God, that you have given us a message that's too good uh, to hold to ourselves, God, that we got to share it with the world. And so, God, I, I just pray that you prepare us, prepare all of the details, the right teams, uh, the resources needed to take this next step. God, we pray for those who do not know you in Northeast Anchorage, God. And we pray for people who are in, in just broke down situations and broken homes and broken marriages, people who are maybe going from day to day and just living without purpose and meaning, God. We know that you're the answer to every question that they have in their life. So, God, I pray that you would use us in powerful ways in this next year, God, and your, your name would be glorified, and it would all be about you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. celebrate being in church together again today. Come on, you guys. It's so good to just gather together. And uh, man, we are so fired up about our next step as a church family. And you'll be hearing more details about that coming up. Uh, But if you are brand new, we are in a series of talks called The Deeper Life Through Identity. And this has been a journey that we've been on since the fall is pursuing the deeper life. Um, in fact, if you, if you just want a little side reading, go read The Deeper Life by A.W. Tozer, classic reading on uh, just, just being empowered by the Holy Spirit and living the deeper life in Christ. And, and one thing that you'll notice as we talk about the deeper life, here's what it doesn't mean. The deeper life is not an inward-focused life. The deeper life is always an outward-facing life because the deeper life is a life in Christ, and Jesus was always about reaching people, loving people, and leading them into the kingdom of God. And so that, that's what we're doing. We're learning about that in deeper ways. And uh, in this section of The Deeper Life, we're talking about the identity problem. Uh, we really believe that our nation is an identity, in an identity crisis, and the church in many ways has an identity crisis. And when you don't know who you are, you can't live into your purpose. And so that's why it's so important that we come back to this deeper question about identity, which is, who are you? What is the answer to that question? What would you, what would you use to define yourself? And, and if you're here and you're a believer, and, and, and if the root thing that defines you is not Jesus, you are not living into your purpose. 
In fact, you're going to find all kinds of things in your life are going sideways because you're finding identity in other things. And so each week has been about a different aspect of that. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. Uh, but I want to start with a question here. Um, who here remembers being broke ever in your life? Raise your hand in the room. Who here, like, is broke? You're like, I'm broke right now. I remember it because it's today. You're like, I'm still broke. I remember uh, being in college, having no money. And um, when you're broke, you eat broke food, right? Uh, which I still kind of like some broke food sometimes. So just kind of in the room, I'm, I'm curious. Can you shout out, what's your favorite broke food? Over here. Cereal. Ramen, cereal. Ramen, mac and cheese, all right, spam, anybody, what was it, bagel bites, yes, come on, my, my favorite broke food is uh, pizza rolls, I love me some pizza rolls, in fact, in college, all I ate was pizza rolls and Mountain Dew, um, I worked at this mechanic shop that was just down uh, from, a, uh, from a gas station, and we did all kinds of work on the gas station, and in, in payment, they said, we're going to give all your mechanics free refills of soda all day long, as much as they can drink. So, like, I got, like, the, the, big, the big jug, you know, like 64 ounces of soda of Mountain Dew every morning coming in, drank that till noon, filled it up at noon, drank it till I got off, and then drank another one on the way home. So, like, Mountain Dew and pizza rolls, and then after about three or four months of this, I was sitting on my couch and I felt like I was having a heart attack. I was like, what's going on? I mean, my heart was beating out of my chest. I was confused for a second, and then I realized my diet. You know, like, there's obviously something wrong. And it's my body essentially saying, hey, this is not the proper fuel for a thriving life, right? Like, like you can't eat that and expect to thrive. And what I want you to know is that, like, we all crave something. Like, something is filling our lives, something is, is fueling our lives, and, and the question is, is it leading to a thriving life? What do you crave the most? What is it that you crave? And, in, and you're like, pizza rolls. But deeper than that, deeper than pizza rolls, what is it that you crave? I think most of us crave uh, a lot of different things, but more than anything, what we crave is the love of others the affection of others. We all want to be noticed. And we talked about that this, the first week, this idea that we want to be seen and we want to be, we want to be loved, right? Who doesn't want to be loved? Now, that's, that can be a good thing, but here's what I want to contend to you this morning is that what you crave the most is your source of identity. Whatever it is that you crave the most, it's the source of your identity. It's, it really ends up becoming who you are. We live in this world full of cameras and screens where everything goes out to the world, right? And, and our phones kind of become the way we find love, isn't it? Right? We, 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 just, we put things out there for people to see and we hope that they'll give us affection and, and we hope that they'll notice us, right? Because we need that so much. In fact, I was reading a story this week of a guy, he was, uh, his wife was giving birth to their first child. He pulled out his phone to, to film it. When he hit the filming button, he didn't realize he was on Facebook, and he hit Facebook Live. The guy went Facebook Live with the, the birth of his first child, and halfway through, he realized, he realized what he'd done. He looked down, and there were like thousands of viewers. By the end of this whole thing, 120,000 people had viewed the birth of his first child. I hope they got some marriage counseling after that, because that was, that was a big snafu, dads. Don't, don't do that, but... I just think about things like, like we put everything out there, right? Good things that we do. We got to put it out there for people to see. Why? Because we want them to love us, to, to think that we're so incredible, right? I mean, you better believe if it, we go on a mission trip somewhere, we're going to come back and we're, we're going to do the photo dump of all the people that we served, right? And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but, but can we agree it gets in our hearts sometimes? It starts to become a need that we need their affection, we need them to see us doing these things and in fact, Jesus kind of talks about this stuff in, in the book of Matthew. He says this in Matthew 6, verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now listen to this. This is, this is kind of harsh. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. In other words, like, man, I hope you enjoyed your reward because you're not going to get anything from God. He says in verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's like, hey, for you who are in Christ, 
which all of the book of Ephesians has been going back to that statement, in Christ, you are in Christ, that's who you are for you. You don't need to do that. You don't need to stand at the street corner showing that you can pray with these big words. You can do it in secret. Because if you do it to be seen, that was your reward, right? And can we agree we want a better reward than that, right? God gives better rewards than your friends is what he's saying. And, and now there's some tension here, right? Because sometimes people do see us doing good things. And in fact, earlier in chapter 5, Jesus says this. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's like a tension there, right? Like it's okay that sometimes people see you doing good things. But here's, here's what I would say is if, the, if you're doing things and being seen, that's okay. But if you're doing things to be seen, that's the life of a hypocrite. That's what he's saying. Do you get that? Like, it's okay to do good things and be seen. It is not okay to do th- good things in order to be seen. And he said that's what the hypocrites do, and that is their reward. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because we so desperately need the love of other people. The other day I was doing something, and it was a good thing. And I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I was doing something good. And, uh, and my first reaction was to pull out my phone. I was going to take a little picture. I was going to find a, a sideways way of posting this online so that I could get the love and affection of other people. And I felt like God said, no, no, no. This is just for you and me. No one needs to know, right? No one needs to know about this. In fact, one uh, social media influencer said it this way. They said, every time I post, it's like I prostitute that moment. I sell out what could be just for me and God for a few clicks and likes. I mean, think about that. It's like you prostitute those moments. It's like you sell yourself in order to get the affections of people that are not God. And it's interesting, that language harkens back to the way that Israel is described oftentimes in the Old Testament. Is, is it, like the book of Hosea is all about this, this lover that's going after other loves. Like the, the church is the love of God, and God is, is our lover, and we're going after these other loves. We have this, this uh, battle in our, in our hearts between two loves. Like we, we, we know we got the love of God, but can we be honest, for most of us, that's not enough? How in the world would the love of Almighty God not be enough for us? But can we acknowledge it's not? It's not. That's why we go after these other things. It's why we pursue what we do. And it's why we put everything out into public. So two questions for you. What do you do in public? And I want to compare that to what do you do in secret? And I want you to start to see, like, do I have a conflict of loves in my heart? Or is it, is it really true that God's love is all I need? Is it really true that his forgiveness that we just sang about at the beginning of the service is what I need in my life? I think of two examples. Uh, one example is of an evangelist who a few years ago he passed away. And after he passed away, all this stuff started coming to the surface. He had lived this incredible life, shared the gospel with literally millions of people, written a lot of books, an incredible life that many people loved and respected. And after he died, there were people that were being interviewed that were kind of part of his ministry. And it just started, these things came out that he had this hidden secret life of sin. And that's interesting in comparison to another story that a friend of mine shared with me. He's a pastor of another church they were building this huge uh, youth wing on their building because they had so many teenagers coming to the Lord. And, uh, and so they were raising funds for that. Well, this, this older lady in the church, very, very quiet lady. Uh, nobody really knew much about her. She just kind of came to church and left. Very quiet life, lived in a really small house. She, she passed away. And uh, they heard about it. And then a couple weeks later, they received a check in the mail. And the check was enough to pay for the entire building that they were building. And it just had one note attached to it. It said, all I want is for these funds to be used to reach the next generation. And their only, their only wish was that she could have seen, because they built this building and, and, and it's full of teenagers every single week, that she was part of this incredible legacy. Here's this man who publicly reaches millions with the gospel, yet what's done in secret is sinful. And here's this woman who, what's done in public is not impressive. It's not, she's not drawing a crowd, but what's done in secret was she aligned her entire life and all of her finances to leave a financial legacy that's reaching thousands of students every single week. What do you do in public? What do you do in secret? In contrast to the kingdom of God, which if you read the Bible, you'll learn is always upside down from the world. In the world, we shout our successes and we hide our sins. 
In the kingdom of God, what Jesus says and what, what John says and what the, the, uh, the, uh, James talks about is this idea of confessing sin. We confess our sins so that we can be healed. So we share our sins and we keep our righteous things in secret. It's completely different to the world around us. And ultimately, why do we do this? Why do we get it flipped backwards? And it's because we're so addicted to the love of people. We so desperately want the affection from those around us. So what about you? Are you living a life of hidden sin or a life of hidden righteousness? Here's a question. What's going to be found out about you a day after you die? Is it going to be a pile of things that you kept to yourself that people are like, oh man, I wish he or she would have talked about this because this is a disaster? Or is it going to be a pile of righteousness because you are so desperately in love with God and you were so uh, grounded in your identity in Christ that he was so much who defines you that, man, there were righteous things people may have seen, but there was so much more they didn't see. Which one of these people are you? And the question is, how do we begin to change our cravings? If what we crave and what, what fueling, is fueling our life is the affection of other people and we realize this is not leading to a thriving life, how do we change our cravings? I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to give you three ways that we can begin to change our cravings. And, and in this text, what you've got is a prayer. Paul just kind of stops in the middle of this letter and says, I, I just want to pray for the church. And in the Bible, we've got a few of these kind of recorded prayers. In fact, we've got what's known as the Lord's Prayer. It's where we get our vision as a church. That's a recorded prayer of, of Jesus. And in this moment, we, we read Paul wants the church in Ephesus to hear his prayers for them. Maybe somebody's done this for you where they've written down a prayer and sent it to you. In fact, a really powerful thing you can do for somebody is just text them a prayer. Hey, I'm praying for you, and then you write the prayer. That's more pro- powerful than just I'm praying for you. Uh, you can even do a voice recording. I'll do that sometimes. I'll do a voice recording of me praying for somebody. I'll send that to them. It's powerful to hear someone pray for you, and also what it does is it begins to show that person's heart, doesn't it? You see, when you understand someone's prayers, you begin to understand their priorities. Does that make sense? So if I could hear your prayers, I would know what's, what's important to you. We'd just start to see that. If we could plaster your prayers on this screen behind me, we would all see the things that matter most. Now, Paul is mentoring this group of of young Christians, and he's teaching them what the most important things are. And what you're going to find is it's all about the love of Christ. It's all about being grounded in your identity in the love of Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So the first thing Paul realizes that this church needs is strength. In other words, like you can't just today go, okay, fine, Brian, I'm just going to be grounded in my identity, that, that I am just a child of God, and that's, that's my primary identity. You can't do that on your own. You don't have the strength to do it. You need the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So the first thing I think we need to do is to ask God not just for a portion, but a proportion of the Holy Spirit. He says this. He says that he prays that God would give to you the strength and power of the Spirit according to the riches of his glory. According to. What does that mean? According to is a a phrase that means in proportion to. That's what he means. He prays that God would give you his power in proportion to how powerful he is. He uses the term riches. Like how richly powerful is God? He's richer than anything you can imagine. In his power and in his resource, everything he has is richer than you can imagine. He says, I pray that God would give you strength according to, in proportion to, his riches. And if you're like, I'm still confused. Here, here's an example. So let's say I have $10 billion. I don't. But let's say I do. Be nice, but I, but I don't. And, and let's say I write a little check out today. This is my church. I'm going to write a, 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 a tie check today, or a, I guess it wouldn't be a tie. They're just a gift check today of, uh, of $10. I'm going to write a, a gift to ACF Church of $10 and I want to support ministry. Now, when I do that, that is me giving out of my riches, right? That is me giving a portion of my riches, and that's good. But let's say I wrote a check for $10 million, right? That'd be good if you want to do that today. I'd encourage you to do that. I wrote a check for $10 million, 
and I drop that in the box. Now I'm not giving just a portion, I'm giving a proportion. Does this make sense? So every word that Paul chooses is chosen very intentionally. He's saying, I don't want you to just get a portion of God's strength, I want you to get a proportion of God's strength. I don't want you just to give, get, get a little bit of God's power through the Spirit. I want you to have all of His power through the Holy Spirit. And once again, how much power do, does God have? He's rich with power. He is rich with strength. He is, he is rich with grace. Everything you could possibly need. And in proportion to His richness, that's what He's praying for the church. So the question is, like, for you, do you, do you tap into that power that way? Like, do you think of the power that you have to be kind of like that? Like the Bible, when it says that you have literally the power that raised Christ from the dead inside of you, I wonder for you, does your day look like that? Does when you show up to work or to school look like that? Are you just overflowing with the power of God? What he's really praying is that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're new to Christianity and you're like, who is this Holy Spirit? Um, here's just like real quick when you become a Christian we believe that the spirit of God lives in you that God exists in three in one three persons in one the, the father the son in and the Holy Spirit and when you become a Christian the, the, the spirit of God literally resides inside of you and you have his power inside of you but here's the deal just because you have his power and presence doesn't mean you're tapping into it in fact we see this a lot this is a lot of why uh, in the church some of the church isn't pursuing their purpose is because they're not tapping into the power of the Spirit inside of them. So they're like, okay, I'm saved, I'm not going to hell, but there's no power in my life. This is a lot of why teenagers are walking away from the church. This is why if you've invited a friend to ACF um, and they, they haven't come, oftentimes what they're, say, what they're thinking is there's no power. Like, or there's, I haven't seen anything that's drawing me to that. And so again, do, do people see in your life a power that is contagious, a power that causes them to ask questions, right? Or is it just kind of a powerless life? And what Paul is saying is, is, is he wants God to just pour out in proportion this power, this strength into the church in Ephesus. So question for you, have, have you asked God to fill you with his spirit? I don't know if you know this, but you have to, you have to ask God for that. You have to receive that. The Bible says that you can resist the spirit. You can grieve the Spirit, right? You can quench the Spirit. In other words, God can be at work and trying to draw you into better things and trying to unleash His power through you, and you can go, nope, I'm too busy. Nope, I, I, I'm, I'm too focused on receiving love and affection from other people. I'm not interested in that. And hear me on this. For us to pursue what God has for our church, we need the Holy Spirit at work in our family. Amen. We need the power of God working in and through us. You need this for you to fulfill your purpose, for you to go to work on Monday and to experience the joy that God has for you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, which means you've got to start praying for it. You've got to start asking Him for it. You've got to start asking God, how am I resisting the Spirit in my life? And if there's just downright disobedience in your life and you're rejecting what God says is best, you better know that the power of God is not going to be unleashed through you. But when you surrender your heart to him, you're like, God, I want, I want you to fill me in proportion to your riches. You better believe that you will start to see incredible things start to come out of your life. I just promise you that. And, and, and so I believe that he's, he's saying, man, if you want to find an identity that's firmly grounded in the love of God, first you need, to, you need to ask God for not just a portion, but a proportion of the Holy Spirit. He goes on in verse 17. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So in other words, like, we're looking for this power. Why do we need the power? Why do we need the strength? He says, ultimately, that you may have Christ dwell in your hearts and that you may be rooted and grounded in love. So second thing is we want to ask God to help you, to help us, to find your identity solely in his love for you. That you would ask God, I can't do it on my own. Through the power of your spirit, help me to find my identity solely in your love for me. He uses the word uh, dwell. And dwell, literally translated, is this, to be deeply seated. That Christ may be deeply seated. In other words, that Christ may be the deepest part of who you are. That when someone asks you who you are, the deepest answer is, Christ is in me. I am in Christ and Christ is is in me. And then he uses this really interesting phrase I want to talk about for a minute. And he says that you might be rooted and grounded in that love. You see, I think we live in a society that is not rooted and grounded very well. And if they are, it's in a lot of different loves. 
And I thought about this, like here's this plant. It's a pretty plant, isn't it? We got a, a little decoration on the stage. I want you to think about this plant. This plant has roots, and those roots go into soil, right? Now, what does soil do for a plant? It does three things. First, it holds nutrients. Second, it gives it stability. And third, it retains the water that it needs. It holds nutrients, retain, or gives stability, and retains water. I want you to think about this. In the same way, God's love is like food for our lives. It gives us stability in our minds, and it refreshes our souls. This is what Paul is praying for. He's like, y'all are just like a bunch of little plants, right? And you're going to be rooted in something. What are you going to be rooted in? He's like, I'm praying that you would be rooted in the love of God. That that would be the thing that gives you nutrients, the thing that gives you stability, and the thing that gives you water for your soul. Now, here's what happens to a lot of us, is that you become a Christian, and you're like, okay, I'm planting my roots in Jesus. That's cool. Okay, so now you're, now you're grounded in Christ. You have, this, you have your, your, this identity in Jesus, and then what happens over time is I believe the soil kind of gets contaminated with other loves. We start seeking after affection and love from others. Instead of realizing the richness of God's love in a deeper way, we pursue other loves, right? And over time, it's kind of like this. We got a little weed killer here. Careful, aiming that at my face. And uh, what happens over time is that the soil becomes contaminated, right? With other things. And a lot of times, these things in and of themselves aren't, I'm just going to douse this sucker, man. It's going to die. Um, a lot of times, these things are not bad things in and of themselves, but they become bad things because they poison the soil of our lives when they're the thing that we're rooted in. Does this make sense? So think about it like this. So you might be here and you're married, and what you desire is the love of your husband. What you desire is the love of your wife, and I want you to know that's a good thing. God gave you that marriage. He gave you that love. We want to pursue a, a healthier marriage and, and show that love in a deeper way. But listen, that love's not enough for us. And I've shared this before, like my marriage and our journey is that we realize that, man, no other human can sustain us. No other human can be, can be our identity. We should never ground ourselves in the love of another human because when we do, that, that love, it becomes like poison in our lives. It poisons the soil. Does that make sense? Like, we should only be grounded in the love of Christ. Maybe it's your parents, your teenager, and you're like, I just want my parents to love me. That's a good thing. I just want my parents to acknowledge my presence. Absolutely, I, I pray they would as well. But when the love of your parents gets into the soil of your life, it poisons the soil, right? Maybe it's uh, the love of the people that you work with, your friends. Maybe it's the love of a mentor, a father, a family member, or a small group leader, or the soldiers in your unit, or, or even a pastor, and again, these loves in and of themselves, to be loved is good. God told us to love one another. It's a good thing. But when that love gets into the soil of our lives, it becomes poison. Does this make sense? You cannot be sustained by the love of any other human in this world. And if you try to get their love to sustain you, you will, you will end up destroying that relationship. You will end up judging them, right, for their failures because their, their love is always imperfect. And ultimately, you will end up being, being bitter in that relationship with that person because they cannot love you that, that way. And it's, all, it's never going to be enough, right? It's why, it's, it's why social media can be so addicting. It's never enough likes. It's never enough comments. It's never enough affection from people, many of which we haven't talked to in many years. Why? Because God's love isn't enough for us. Ultimately, Paul's prayer is that you would have this pure soil, this uncontaminated soil that's grounded in the love of Christ. Maybe you're like, that's a little extreme. I'm just, I'm telling you, when you know that God loves you, when you understand how deeply and richly God loves you, it will, it will help all of your relationships. Amen. You will find yourself craving different things and better things. You'll actually find yourself loving people whose love was imperfect for you. Because they're no longer the love that sustains you. Does that make sense? So, like, you're going to actually start to give grace to people that you couldn't give grace to before. Why? Because you're grounded in the love of Christ, and his love is perfect, and it will never fail you. And it's going to, that, that's, that's what it means to be grounded and have an identity in Christ. He goes on in verse 18. He says that you may have strength to comprehend. In other words, hey, church, you don't have the strength to compre comprehend his love. It's only by the power of his spirit that, that he's praying for that you would comprehend this. But then he says something in, interesting. He says, comprehend with all the saints. 
What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, may that be the case for us, ACF Church. May we be filled with all the fullness of God. Third thing we can do to change our cravings is this. Develop a deeper understanding of his love in community. You might go, well, I want to understand God's love. That's great. I want you to hear me on this. Listen, eyes up here, eyes up here, eyes here. You can't understand God's love on your own. You can't. You'll never get it. Jesus did not come to die for your sins. He came to die for the sins of the world. And that's a better story, isn't it? That's a better. In our, in our hyper-individualistic society, this me-focused society, in this world that we live in, this is so anti-American that it's not just about you. It's not about your own salvation, and the kingdom of God is not just about rescuing you out of your sin. It's about transforming the earth, the world. And so when we talk about reaching into Anchorage and expanding what we do, this isn't because, again, like we think we're the answer. Jesus is the answer, and the story is this. God's taking over the earth, like it or not. The kingdom of God is advancing, like it or not. And you'll either be for the kingdom or against the kingdom. And God is already doing a work in Anchorage. He's doing a work in the valley. He's doing a work in Fairbanks. He's doing a work in Eagle River. And we can choose every single day to be part of his kingdom advancement or to reject it and to do our own thing. And so as we talk about this, that's, that's really the challenge, is that we'd understand that God's love, it happens in community. It's all about reaching people not just a person. And, and, and if, if the story is just Jesus came to die and died to save me, that's just not a good story. If it's that God is reconciling the earth to himself and one day will be king over all things in all places, man, that's a better story. It's a story I can give my life to. It's why we go to church. I'll tell you what, like, I'm, I'm glad you came today. I, I, I hope you're glad that you came. And I know there's opposition. I know you woke up this morning and it's cold and it's it's January, and it's just getting harder to get out of bed on Sunday morning. Can we, can we be real? I had a hard time getting here this morning, but I did. You're welcome. I, can't, I got out of bed this morning. But I'll t- I thought about it for a minute. I did. I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, I could just stay here. But there's always opposition. I, I honestly believe that it is one of the, one of the most uh, intentional ways that the enemy is attacking the church today is by making church uh, seem really like, like optional, like we don't really need to do this. In fact, the stats are that most Christians show up to church um, about twice a month. And, and let's be honest, for a lot of people, this is, this is the beginning and the end of your spiritual nourishment in a week. And if that's the case for you, I'm, you are starving. Hear me on this. You are spiritually starving. But what's funny is for a lot of people, they'd say, no, no, church is really important to me. Really? Like, if you do something for two hours a month, that's important to you, Right? I mean, let, let's say that, like, I spent two hours a month with my wife. Would you be like, oh, she's really important to you? You'd be like, bro, no, you need some help. Uh, let, me, let, let me work on this with you. I'm getting in your business. I get that. But let's be honest. Like, if that's the case, you've got you to look at your life and go, is that important to me? Because the, the church is the bride of Christ. Do you know that? This is the bride of Christ. And so as we gather in community, we gather with the bride. We share stories of life change. Like, what a great story we were able to share on, on uh, uh, Christmas Eve, right? Uh, of this woman who's part of our church and, and actually found Christ in prison in, in a new way, and God rescued her in some powerful ways. Like, weren't you encouraged by that? Like, when we see people get baptized on this stage, and they go under the water, some of those people, when they come out of the water, they're weeping. And it's not because the water's cold. It's because God's doing something in their heart, and they're just like, I can't believe what Jesus has rescued me out of. I mean, do you, do, you, do you get in touch with that part of your own soul? Doesn't that encourage you? Man, it encourages me. It's why we worship together. It's because worship isn't all just about you and Jesus. It's about the community of God worshiping him together. And, and maybe you see people that, that are sometimes during worship, like you can tell, they are just, just getting after it, right? Hands in the air. They're moving around. Do you ever, like, wonder what's going on inside of them? Some of you are cynical. You're going to judge them. You're going to be like, oh, they're trying to show off, you know, Mr. Spiritual up there, raising his hands in worship. What if they've got a deeper understanding of God's love than you do? What if that's why they're lifting their hands? I mean, be honest. Like, if when we worship, we're singing, we're like, oh, my sin is dead in God. I sing, where's my coffee? Like, if that's you, 
If that's you, you gotta get, you got to get real and go like, why is it that I'm not compelled to, to just scream the praises of God with his people? Why am I not compelled to lift my hands in honor and surrender to God? Why am I not compelled to get on my knees and my face in repentance before God? Like, what is it? I think we've chosen other loves. I think we're worried about what, what other people think. I think we're too busy building our own kingdoms to really think about the kingdom of God. And I think in many ways God is saying like through this to ACF Church, we got to know who we are to fulfill our purpose in this next season. And his love is more than enough for us, friends. His love is more than enough, more than anything we could ever need. Paul is saying you've got to see the unlimited capacity that God has to love you. It's, it's just unlimited, the love that he has for you. And so how do you begin to understand it? How do you begin to, to feel it and to, to experience it and to walk in that knowledge of his love? Here's what I think you need to do. You've got to start to test the capacity of God's love. Like, you don't know that it's unlimited until you start to walk in it, right? You've got to start to test the capacity God has to love for you. So uh, this Christmas, I got a present from my mother-in-law. She bought me this, this uh, winch for my garage. Anybody? I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like this thing you hang on the ceiling to lift stuff. I don't know what I'm going to lift with it, but it's really cool. And uh, I installed it. I hooked it to my ceiling, and I was like, I wonder if that's strong enough. Because um, I have no engineering. I have no idea. I'm not sure what, what it can lift, but it, it's great to have it. So, so th- I realized, like, before I try to lift up, like, a motor with this thing, I need to test its capacity. So I called my son. And I said, son, grab onto this cable, right? And, it, you know, he got on there, and it lifted up and down. It was just fine. So I knew that the capacity of this thing was to at least lift an 11-year-old boy. I know it can do that. And over time, I'll start, to, I'll start to lift a little bit more with it. And a little bit more, and I'll start to see what is the, hopefully not rip down my roof, but at some point, I'll stop. But this has a limited capacity. God's love is unlimited for you. And for you to begin to understand it, you got to begin to live like it's unlimited. Does this make sense? Like, what if you began to forgive like God's love is unlimited? That, that's... God has this unlimited capacity for, to forgive you. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great that you don't ever like out-sin God's love for you? Out-sin God's grace for you? That like no matter what you do, that you are still, if you're a follower of Jesus in the hands of God, even if you just totally blow it in the next year? And what if you begin to live like that and then, and then translate that love into people? Where when you know that you're forgiven, you forgive others. That's, that's what Jesus says, like, it's to the, to, to the degree that you understand your own forgiveness that you can give it away. And so it's unlimited. What if you began to serve like God's love is unlimited? I mean, the people that serve at ACF, man, they're just amazing. And they serve not because anybody's forcing them to or because we just need to fill spots. They serve because God loves them so much and they want to see you understand that as well. And their, their capacity to serve is directly proportional to their capacity to understand God's love for them. What if you began to work in whatever you do, like God's love is unlimited? Like he loves you even though you have that job right now. And he, and he loves you even, even maybe into that job. And maybe that's your mission field. And maybe he has something for you in that space. And, and that this isn't like a mistake, that God isn't confused, right? He's not, he hasn't like forgotten about you, but he's got you where he has you. And his love is unlimited. We talk a little bit about about giving, right? What if you gave like God's love was unlimited? Now it's going to get quiet in church today. Because this, again, this is one of our gods. This is one of the things that we, we, we seek affection from our finances even. Like, oh, it makes us feel so good when the bank account's full, right? And here's what I believe. I believe that in the church, most Christians, you're not greedy. It's not that you just want to amass things. Here's what I, I, want, I want to say this. I believe most Christians, the reason they don't give is because they're scared. They're scared. They're not sure if God's love and his care is big enough for that kind of faith step, for me to trust him financially. I'm not sure if God loves me enough to trust him with a tithe. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you, my wife and I have done this since the day we got married. For over 20 years, we, every, every month we set aside the first 10%, and we have never been in a place of wanting. And you can say, well, you're Mr. Pastor, you know, you're trying to get my money, but I want you to find somebody in our church that tithes, they will have the same story. Find somebody in our church that is, has consistently trusted God financially, and what I will tell you is that they probably have a deeper understanding of God's love and provision than you do. Why? 
because they've tested the capacity of his love. Does this make sense? Y'all aren't amening, but I get it. I get it. This is a hard one. What if we began to speak like God's love is unlimited, parent like God's love is unlimited, that you had enough to deal with these kids in the car on Monday? You have enough to discipline this teenager, and and, and it's been hard, and you're wondering if you're just a failure as a parent, but you've got more than enough love coming into your life to be able to give love to that teenager right now. You see, if you began to believe that God has this unlimited love that he wants to pour out on you, you would begin to give it to others. And the church would be fully funded, fully resourced to do every single thing God calls us to do. And here's what I believe. I believe everything we need to to pursue God's plan for our church, it's already in the house. That's what I believe. It's already here. I believe God is going to give us everything we need. It's already here. So we just have to step into belief that God loves us that much and test that capacity. Ephesians 3.20, he closes out with this. I love this passage. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. Paul's like, man, God's bigger than you think. He can do more than you think. Some of you are here and you're like, I've been, a, I've been a Christian for 30 years, Brian. Yep, his love's bigger than you know. It's bigger than you think. Some of you have been a Christian for 80 years. You're like, man, my, my whole life has been learning the love of God. I'm in the word of God every day. I'm at church every Sunday. I'm in a small group. I gather together with friends. We pray for one another. Like, I'm deeply woven into the family of God. Here's what you need to know. God's, God's love is bigger than you think. It's always still bigger than you think. I believe it's time that we dream like God's love is limitless. I think a lot of our prayers are too small. And I think the reason they're too small is because we have limited God's love and we've fallen into fear. We've fallen into the pursuit of other things, of other loves. Here's a few examples. If you're praying for a job, you're just like, I hope I could be employed by next month. I want you to start to pray for an incredible job that pays well, that has an opportunity for you to leverage your gifts, where you can actually love your life, get a little vacation, and serve God in that position. Pray bigger prayers. If God's love is unlimited, pray bigger prayers. If you're praying for just your children to stay out of jail, you're like, I just hope Billy doesn't go to prison. God, keep him out of prison. If that's the biggest prayer in your life, you have a very small view of God's love. Don't just pray your kids would stay out of jail, right? Begin praying for them to become community leaders, theologians, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, business owners that reflect the kingdom of God wherever they are. Like that's the next generation that we need, right? Not just kids that aren't in jail. Can we do better than that? I think we can. Maybe it's your marriage. You're like, God, I pray that we could just stay married. Married people, God wants more for you than that. God is pro-marriage. He is for your marriage, not just for you to exist, but for you to thrive in your marriage. If you are married, I promise you, that's his desire for your marriage. And so stop praying that you could stay married and start praying that you could have the best marriage that you've ever had, right? That you could have a marriage that, man, your friends are like, I don't even know how they do it. It's beautiful. I wish I could have that. Like, you want that marriage. I know I do. But start praying for that because that's God's desire. His love is that big. Man, if you're praying for your life, don't just pray that you would stay away from sin. You need a better vision for your life. I think that's why a lot of Christians, man, we, we're just, we're held back by our, our small prayers because we're like, man, maybe God will just keep me from cussing on Monday, you know? Maybe God will just keep me from, from looking at things I shouldn't on the internet or just keep me from, from gossiping. Like, that's, that's not a vision for your life, right? We need a better vision of God's love. Pray that you'd be filled with the Spirit, full of faith, and able to do unimaginable things that your parents would have never thought were possible through the power of the Spirit in your life. Like, pray bigger prayers. His love is that good, friends. It's so much better than you think. And I think when we start to do this, we'll start to see the kingdom of God advance in ways we could have never imagined. So what's your next step? I want you to grab your action card off your seat, if you would. This is something we do as a church family. You might be sitting on it. Um, It might be underneath your seat. But I want you to check one of these boxes and and make make a decision. The language I use is like pre-decide before Monday of what you're going to do. Because as soon as you walk out of this building, it's going to be a tendency to forget everything that we just talked about. So maybe for you, you just got to say, I want to I start following Jesus. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to receive him. And 
If that's you, I want, to, I want you to check that box. We've got some resources for you. We will send to you. And uh, again, we're not going to spam you with a bunch of stuff. We're just going to send you that resource. And we'd love to get that in your hand. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I want to begin praying that I could believe God's love. You're here and you're like, that sounds good, Brian. I just don't believe it. I know. You need the Spirit of God to reveal that to you. And so I want you to begin praying for that. Maybe you're here going, I, I want to ask someone to describe God's love for me. This is the community part. Sometimes we just need someone in our life to sh- tell us how blessed we are and how loved we are, don't we? Sometimes we can't see it. We're like, my life is a dumpster fire. And your friend's like, are you kidding me? Do you know what you have? You're like, no. No, I think I've just been forgotten about by God. They're like, no, you're actually really loved by God. Let me tell you how. And sometimes we just need to ask for that, which I know for the men in the room, you're like, I would never ask for that. But I want to encourage you to do that. And just receive that from your friends. Maybe you need to dream bigger dreams for your life, where as I'm talking about what you pray for, you're like, that's me. I pray really small dreams. My dreams are something like this. My prayers are something like this. Can I just be able to come out, you know, in the black at the end of the month? Can I, you know, just not, you know, strangle my children by the end of the day? Can I maybe get to church once in a while? And, you know, can I keep my job? Like, these are, these are not the dreams God has for his church. He has bigger dreams for you because his love is that big. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. God, your love is so much bigger than we think. Forgive us for minimizing your love. For the person in the room and you're like, how big is God's love? It's displayed perfectly on a cross. That's how big it is. It's displayed as your creator steps out of eternity into human flesh takes on the sin of humanity and dies in your place. That's how big his love is. His love so big it overcame death on a cross into resurrection. It's so big it's leading to an expanding kingdom that one day will take over all things. And this world will be nothing but peace and joy. His love is that big. So God, I pray we'd believe that today, that we could test the capacity of your love in some really practical ways today through the way we love, through the way we serve, through the way that we give. God, help us to see how big your love is, God. And would you be ever expanding our love, our understanding of your love till the day that we take our last breath? Father, thank you for the grace that's in this room. May we worship in the next few minutes from that place of gratitude. God, I pray for the man or woman in this room who just needs to experience your love for them and let it flow from them in worship, God, that they'd be able to receive that today. Holy Spirit, pour out on this place. Holy Spirit, fill your church with all strength and all power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.